Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, November 8th, 2015. The share ID for Friday, November 6th is 8178. That's 8178. This morning, A Vision for You presents Living in the Solution. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, are a specific method for producing a personal transformation, a change in the way a person thinks, feels, and behaves. These 12 steps, spiritual in their nature, if practiced as a way of life, can remove the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. The only requirement is that we stay in fit spiritual condition. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to continue to live in the solution. Joining us this morning is Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Julie is dedicated to trudging this road of recovery, and she's with us this morning to share her experience, strength, and hope. And welcome to you, Julie R., Star one to unmute Julie. Oh, I thought I was. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, thank you, Leah. Um, I'm Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Um, and I say recovered because that's what the big book tells me I am going to become. It's it's a way of me showing respect to AA, to OA, to those who have given this program to us all throughout the book. I think it's used, I don't know, I could be wrong, but 14, 20 times. It talks about being recovered. The title page has it. How many thousands of men and women have recovered from compulsive alcoholism? We as Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body uh, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered. Uh, again, on XXIII, the man in over 100 appears to have recovered. Nearly all have recovered. Page 17, they have solved the drink problem. We have recovered from a hopeless condition of the mind and body. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I, I need to say that not just for me, but for that person who is just walking in the door that is morbidly obese or severely underweight that thinks about food 24 hours a day, that can't function, that prays that they don't wake up in the, uh, the next morning. Yes, we have recovered. I am recovered just for today. So, um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about before I just launched into what is it like to live in the solution? I think I need to tell you what it's like not to live in the solution. And um, I have a lot of experience with this inside and outside of the rooms of OA. I, um, I first went to OA in 1983. I think I was 24, 25. And um, I was dying. I was young, but I was dying. So what are some of the things to not live in the solution? Well, it's for me being 5'2 and almost being 300 pounds. It's wearing um, a size 22, 24 pants. It's unable to share the joy with my children at Disneyland because I can't fit in the rides. And for them, 
could not understand why mommy can't come with them. It's every time I flew, I was afraid that yet again somebody was going to charge me for two rides, two seats, because my hips were so big, I took half of the other person's seat. It's buying the binge foods on the plane to squelch that anxiety and that disgust and that hate that I had for myself. But yet, I was eating more to get rid of something that food was creating. Breaking several of those cheap molded lawn chairs that you have. Uh, Always being the fattest mother at the school functions. I I always stood out no matter what I did. Um, Some of you saw me last weekend. I'm really into jewelry. I and it didn't matter, no matter what the clothes I wore, the jewelry I wore, I was still huge. Um, choosing to eat instead of playing on the floor with my kids. Picking a fight with my husband so he would go into another room so then I could just eat without him, you know, trying to see what I have in my pocket this time. Um, eating pudding uh, back in the day when um, you had to make pudding on the stove which now you don't have to do that, but I would stand there as a child and then eat it when it was so hot and it would burn the roof of my mouth, you know, that layer. But I couldn't stop because why can't I stop? Or because I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, Eating the wedding cake, you're supposed to save it for that first year and you celebrate together. It was our anniversary and my husband goes into the freezer, in the back of the freezer to get it out and it's gone. Why? Because I ate it. I lied. I told him that, you know, it had fallen and it broke. I had to get rid of it. Um, eating my son's Halloween candy and letting them blame each other. Uh, eating my dad's prized uh, snowball cookies when we were a kid and letting my sister get beat for it. Uh, purging up to five times a day so I didn't go over that 300-pound mark. Uh, eating you know, I don't know how many thousands of calories of candy, all the diets that I've tried, um, the thousands, and I mean thousands of dollars that I spent trying to get well because I didn't know that I had that twofold illness. Um, and that is what it's like to not live in the solution. And, you know, Bill says something, in, um, and I don't have the page, it's just in my head, that my drinking assumed, I think, more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. Uh, You know, liquor, I think, ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. That's what I was. All my waking days, I'd wake up seeing the bags and the chocolate on the pillow. I mean, it was so disgusting. And it was like, God, please, please let me have a day of abstinence. Let me not eat this food. And I would wake up, and I knew that this was done. I wasn't going to do it anymore. But yet, what does a big book tell me? It tells me unless I have a spiritual experience, I'm going to do this again. Um, The remorse, the horror, the hopelessness of that next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there, and that is also in Bill's story. I would wake up feeling so demoralized, so hopeless that I just didn't want to continue. I was um, in and out of relapse. I'd have short stints um, of recovery. I'd lose 100 pounds, gain it, lose 50 pounds, gain it, try the new diet. Um, Because I really wasn't, well, I was not indoctrinated in the big book at that time. It was basically 
I was given a gray sheet in 1983 and told to call my sponsor. They did use the big book back then, but I didn't really grasp it. I mean, I wouldn't read We Agnostics because I had a faith. I didn't want to read, um, you know, There is a Solution because, oh, I had my diet. So I was I was winging it. And um, Finn is not well. So that's one thing I wanted to point out. You know, abstinence alone is just as deadly as being crazy in the food because I am going to project something that I don't have, especially to a newcomer, especially if I want to be, um, if I'm sponsoring. And all I have is this thin body. I am, um, I'm going to kill that other person with, with um, incorrect data. So that's kind of like a snapshot of what my life was. Um, you know, when I got into recovery uh, about seven years ago, I found an awesome program that was structured, uh, and I need the structure. I'm I'm not one that can choose my level of program. And I really got to see what it was like to live to live in the solution. And it wasn't like it was before. It wasn't Julie's way. It was what 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 does God want me to do? And I, I think of that story in the big book where he comes out of the cellar and there had been a uh, tornado, I believe. And it says, we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of the cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. And to his wife, he remarks, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? You know, that's um, on page 92 of Into Action. That's what my abstinence looked like before I found recovery, before I was recovered. I was thin. I was down 150 pounds. But I wasn't living in the solution. I was still cheating. I was a liar. I was selfish. And I was self-centered. Uh, some of you might remember I had done um, a, a story in 2013, My Transformation. And at that time, I was living in the solution. I was indoctrinated in the big book. It was the only thing that ever brought me freedom and release. And then um, my boundaries started to get blurred. You know, I, my, my 10, 11, and 12 started to be a little bit lopsided. And then before I knew it, I was no longer recovered. And I was not living in the solution. So I spent eight months in relapse, and um, it is true when they say that you go right back to where you were before you got into recovery. It took about three weeks for me not to weigh and measure all my meals, for me to, quote, unquote, hmm, maybe I better listen to my body and eat when I'm hungry. Well, I don't eat because I'm hungry. I eat because I don't know how to live. So. Um, I was in the food, in the sugar, into everything. Into, I started to purge also within a month. And I gained about 70 pounds in a four- to five-month period. Um, I praise God that that's all I did uh, because I could have done more. Uh, and the people in my circle here in OA did not dump me. They called me. They checked up on me. And I still went to meetings because I knew if I walked away from OA, if I walked away from going to the 4 a.m. meeting, which is your 7 a.m. meeting, I would definitely perish. If I stopped talking to my strong hookups who 
have a very structured program, I would be dead. So um, what happened was we don't shoot our wounded, right? We don't discard people because they're in the food. Our whole main purpose here is to extend our hand to the still suffering. I wasn't a newcomer, but I was suffering. So um, I got a phone call on October 21st from somebody that I love. And all she said to me was, Julie, what has always worked for you? And I started to cry. And when I got out the phone, I cleaned up all of the wrappers that I had, the boxes. I put the binge foods back in the cupboard. Because, you know, having food in the cupboard is okay when you're neutral with food. So, you know, I put it back and I got on my knees. And I literally got on my knees, which is very difficult for me because I've had like 30 surgeries. But I did it. I was beaten. I was done. And I asked my creator to enter my heart and help me to be free from this horrific disease. And that is the last time I have overeaten. It was October 21st, 2014 at 8.13 p.m. So fast forward to where I am today. What do I do? How do I live in the solution? What does that look like? Well, one, you know, I I, I had to really look at step two again. I have a creator. I have a powerful creator. And it says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So power is my God. It's talking about finding something that's greater than me, greater than Julie. So, you know, I have a very big ego. I'm selfish. I'm grandiose. I'm self-centered. I'm a whole host of things. But step two is the opposite of that. You know, it's about believing and knowing, trusting, being dependent, being reliant, having faith in a God that can solve all of my problems, not just the food, but having appropriate relationships, treating my husband like he's the man I love, treating my employees with respect, helping a lady across the street because she can't carry all the bags. It's all of those things. It's because, you know, the the biggest thing for me is Julie R. from California matters to her creator. You know, I am important. I am cherished by my God. You know, because so many years I had begged my my God, my creator to help me, but I was going at it the whole whole wrong way. And um, I just kept on going into the food. But today, my prayers are so different. It's um, not God help me get out of this mess. I'll never do it again if you let me survive, right? I wake up, and before I get out of bed, somebody taught me this. I sit there, and I ask my creator to enter my heart, my selfish, self-centered heart, because that's how I wake up. I don't wake up this, you know, person that's floating on the clouds. I wake up, Julie R., compulsive over ear, what's in it for me today? So before my feet touch that ground, I ask God to enter my heart and to change me, to let me be what he has for me today. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, a book, right? A big book that tells us exactly what to do. 
It tells us what we do on awakening. And I love that because it says on awakening. It doesn't say before I get my coffee. It doesn't say before I go to the bathroom. It doesn't say before I look at my work email. It doesn't say before I look at Facebook. It says on awakening. So that is as soon as my eyes open up, I need to seek my creator. So that's what I do before I I do anything else. So it sets the tone for me. It gets me going. Okay, get out of Julie. Get out of self. Don't think about work. Think about your creator. So um, that's really, really key for me because it gets me away from thinking of myself. The big book says, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. So I've done that. So that's that's good because I can't I can't rely on Julie. You know, I meet God alone without my ego and I have to ask, what do you want from me today? Because I can't be of service to you, my family, my fellowship, my employees if I don't do that. And I wait. I wait for direction, which is not easy for me because I'm a doer, I'm a goer, you know, I got things to do. Don't you know I'm important? So how do I do that? How do I keep that balance? Well, I have little cues um, on the way to work. Every time I hit a stop sign, I have like four. I say a prayer. You know, very simple. Um, I ask God to help me, to help another. Um, I will not mind be done. Whatever pops into my head. And certain hallways at work, when I go into the, a locked area, I, I say a prayer. Because I need to be in conscious contact with God. I can't just do this morning thing and this night thing because, you know, I've got about 18 hours in between that I can do a lot of damage. So I'm in conscious contact with God. So when somebody at work does something that I don't agree on and I want to jump down their throat, I sit there and I grab grab some of that that I put into my my spiritual bank. And I love that from the last weekend's um, convention. Uh, somebody said it perfectly. You know, I I, I have a spirit. I I what is I can't now. I'm going to screw it up. But basically, I have to deposit things in order to to take them out. And so all throughout the day, I am talking to my creator. So what else does it tell me to do on step ten, eleven, and twelve? It tells me throughout the day that I continue to look at what's going on. It doesn't say wait for my nightly review. It says continue to take action, right? So what does that mean? Again, when something happens at work, if my husband is um, acting a way that I don't think he should act, he's not meeting my expectations, I will do a 10-step right then and there. I will pray to God because that's what it says first. And if it's still not letting go, I'll call a fellow and I'll do a 10-step. And we'll go through it to see where I am selfish, self-seeking, self-centered. And then immediately when I hang up the phone, I'm going to go be of service to somebody. It doesn't have to be an OA person. It doesn't have to be my husband. But if I have caused harm, of course, i got to take care of that. But I can go to an engineer and, and offer some guidance. So right away, it doesn't say, oh, tomorrow you can be of service. It's, no, I have to be of service right away. So I do that. Sometimes I'll have two 10 steps. Sometimes I won't have any. And sometimes I'll have five. It just depends. It depends on on what's happening in my day. But the great thing is, is I don't have to make a lot of amends anymore. 
I have restraint of tongue. I think and pray before I open my mouth, which again is not Julie, uh, because don't you know, I know how to do everything and let me prove to you that you're wrong. That's where I'm really at my core um, without God. So for today, I can exercise restraint of tongue because God has given me that gift. Uh, what do I do at night? It tells me, again, specific instructions. When we retire at night, we constructively, we constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do I owe an apology? Have I kept something of myself which should be discussed with another person? Were, were we kind and loving towards all? What could I have done better? Was I thinking of myself? Was I thinking what I could do for others? Um, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection because that would diminish my usefulness to others. And then, then it says, after making our review with God, we ask forgiveness and require what corrective measures should be taken. That's on page 86. So I have a simple form I do every night. And it has only those specific questions. There's a lot of nightly reviews that you can just Google and you're going to see. And they'll ask, I mean, 50 things. But I, you know what? The big book tells me if I follow exactly what is done in this book, I am going to become recovered and I'm going to stay recovered. So I have a form that has those simple questions, nothing more, nothing less. And I answer every one of those and I give it to my sponsor the next day. And what, what does that do for me? It lets me review my day. I might have forgotten something that, oh, gosh, you know what? I was a little short to one of my employees. So what is my corrective measures going to be? Well, I'm going to pray for um, acceptance, and I'm going to pray that God will show me a little more compassion. And then when I go to work the next day, I'm going to go to my employee, and I'm going to say, you know what? During our conversation yesterday, I realized I was a little short with you, and I want to let you know that that was not my intent, and I hope you accept my apology. Boom, done, over. I can't let those things slide because they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and before you know it, I'm lying, I'm cheating, I'm stealing, I'm uh, discounting my husband's love, um, and I'm in the food. So when I retire at night, I do, I go through a ritual um, because what is my connection with my creator? It's not just um, talking to my creator. I have to create a sacred place. Um, Like right now, I'm burning incense. I had sage going. I had some flute music going before. I have to create a sacred, beautiful place to show my God how much I love my God. My God has given so much to me, my creator, that I am showing respect. Um, do I do fly-by prayers, you know, like uh, drive-by, uh, you know, hookup calls or whatever? You bet. Sometimes I have to. But for the majority of times, I'm in my sacred place when I pray. And I do it alone because I need to have that one-on-one and this morning, I, I just sat there smelling my, my sage, and I asked God to let me be humble. Let me say his words through my words. And I didn't prepare really for this because I, I don't do well with just, you know, typing something out. 
and uh, reading something because that's not me. But then I want to make sure that I convey the message of what is it like to live in the solution. And, you know, I, I did some homework. You know, I read a little bit. I uh, got familiar with um, some of the pages that I hadn't read before or, you know, not before, but in the last, you know, three or four days. But it's all about being real. Who is Julie R. stripped in front of her creator? And um, this is me. And I do, I do my prayers. I do my nightly review for a few reasons. One, because it gives me peace. Two, it allows me to be kind, caring, compassionate, and staying recovered. It lets me help others. And I like who I am when I'm in prayer, when I'm in tune. I'm not in the food. I have neutrality with my food. I can honestly say I don't have food thoughts. I don't have a battle. I don't want, I don't desire any any of those foods. And that's and for me, you know, um it's it's part of living in the solution. So, you know, what 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 does my behavior look like? We no we know what my behavior looked like before. I was um unfaithful grandiose, morbidly obese, jealous, envious. So what does it look like today? Um, I dress appropriately. I don't hurt other people. I eat um, per a nutritional plan. I don't deviate from that. I'm kind. Most of the time. I love life. I'm free. I love my husband. I love my children. I pray in airports with my sponsees. I don't care if somebody hears me say their serenity prayer. I I am balanced. So you know, absence is not the solution. It's a must. But God is the solution, right? Because this lack of power was my problem. Power is my solution. And I can only get that through God. Again, I have to have abstinence. There is no sloppiness. There is no wiggle room. I can't eat when I want. I have to have a food plan. And whatever that is, um, to you, that that's your thing. But for me, I know, I know clear cut that I'm I'm absent or not. Um, you know, without my defects, without the way I used to act, I'm I'm um, I'm a beautiful person, and I can stay that way as long as I stay in the sunlight of the spirit. So, you know, I would um, encourage people to ask what's your behavior like today how do you act around others are you gossiping are you judging are you arrogant are you still in uh, in the food sometimes 
because that's a real good barometer, at least it was for me, to know, hmm, maybe I'm not in recovery. So for today, I have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. And that's on page 84. I, um, I bake. I attend potlucks. I serve food. I have a, um, um, a beautiful, well, really not a real candy dish. I, I work in aerospace and defense, and I have a, a rejected um, optic, if you will. That's probably about $100,000. And it's loaded with candy for my engineers because, you know, they have a stressful job and they're not compulsive overeaters. But normal people will go to the sugar. And I have it on my desk and I fill it up every day. But I never want it. Why don't I want that? Because I am recovered. Um, So one other thing I want to touch on is how else do I live in the solution? And that's working with others. We have a whole chapter devoted to that. And I love it because, you know, Bill really knew what he was doing. So we have chapter seven. And um, right away it tells me on page 89, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion, carry the message to other alcoholics. So, you know, for me, it's virtually impossible for me to be working with others, reading a big book, sharing my story, and shoving binge foods in my mouth at the same time. Um, so basically, you know, it, 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 it's the crux. It's the glue that holds our program together. On page 97, it says, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights sleep and great interference with your pleasures, interruptions, or your business. And that's on page 97. Um, So how do I help others? Well, I um, answer my phone several times a day. I return calls. Uh, I tempt others when they need a temp sponsor. I do 10 steps with other fellows when they call me. I am there because somebody was there for me when I was dying many times throughout my program. But again, I have to set boundaries too because I have a husband that I only see on the weekends because I fly every week. I only see my family Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. So during that time, I take my calls really early or late at night or somewhere, and I have a block of time where it's only me and my husband. So it's very key, you know, that um, that we make sure we take care of our family because that's part of being in recovery. It's it's living. I mean, so my program is X, Y, and Z, but I live in a recovered state 24 hours a day, not just for OA, but for my job, my family, my friends. Um, so that's what I do. I do that on a daily basis, you know, and I don't have a choice to sponsor or not, you know, oh, you know what, maybe I don't want to sponsor, you know, my life's busy. Well, (laughs) Bill has already said that, why we have to sponsor, and I love what Dr. Bob says in his story. It is the most wonderful blessing to be relieved of this terrible curse with which I was afflicted. My health is good, and I have regained my self-respect and the respect of my colleagues. 
my home life is ideal and my business is as good as could be expected in these uncertain times. I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learn to others who want and need it badly, and I do it for four reasons. One, a sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in doing so, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. Four, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. So that's why I sponsor. And I cannot give away something I don't have. And that's why it's so important to work with a recovered sponsor who has lived the life the book tells us to live, who when they're in the grocery store line and somebody comes in they have 30 items instead of five, that they're not getting restless, irritable, and discontent. Or if somebody cuts them off on the, uh, on the road, they don't slip them off. Or they don't scream and yell at their kids when you're on the phone with them. This is about a life-changing experience. Abstinence is just the beginning. I do not want to be thin and crazy. I do not want to be thin and having an affair. I don't want to be thin and being reckless. Today, I'm nearing a normal body weight. I think I'm down 145. It kind of fluctuates. Um, I've got about 15 pounds left. But my barometer is my nightly review. How did Julie interact with people today? How did Julie treat her husband? How did Julie treat her employees? How did Julie treat herself? Am I walking? Am I working out? How's my sacred time with my creator? So, and working with others is key. Um, You know, the big book tells us on page 101, assuming, I love that word, we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic cannot meet them, still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. So, again, I encourage any of you, if you are still struggling with the food in your head, in your abstinence, but if you are still battling, if you have that internal, I want it, I can't, God help me, I'm picking it up, I'm putting it down. Something is wrong with your spiritual status. It says so on page 101. So, God time, God time, God time. Um, God, I know I've been all over the place. Um, but so I think I kind of gave you an idea of what my, my day looks like, uh, how I live in the solution. I'm almost at a normal body weight. And I say that the last because not that it's not important, but because that's only the beginning. Abstinence is the beginning. Uh, you know, the goal here is that I have a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience that my beliefs have changed, my actions have changed. I um, am not, I'm not that old Julie. Uh, there's something I wanted to read from the grapevine. It was from 1963. In the wake of my spiritual experience, there came a vision of the Society of Alcoholics If each sufferer were to carry the news of the scientific hopelessness of alcoholism to each new prospect, he might be able to lay every newcomer wide open 
to a transforming spiritual experience. This concept proved to be the foundation of such success as AA has since achieved. And to me, to lay open that newcomer, because we are the only ones that can do that. We've been there, done that. It's not a doctor telling us we need to lose weight. It's another addict saying, yeah, I've been there. I know your pain. I know your hopelessness. But you know what? Let me tell you about a story, a story of recovery. Um, So I want to end with my prayer that I wrote to my creator when I was um, doing a a workshop. Uh, It was a year-long working the steps that I didn't finish because I had gotten into the food. Um, But I did finish my prayer, and I say it often. My creator, my healer, my great spirit, Today, I give you my all, my everything, so that I continue to be reshaped, remolded, transformed back into the true, authentic Julie that you created. I know you will do with me as you see fit. I trust you, Father Sky, with my heart and my soul. Your wisdom and decisions are the ultimate. You are all-knowing, all-powerful, and always right. I am ready for you to revive and awaken me. Great Spirit, I ask that you free me from all things that are not from you. Help me see what is pure. Please protect me from self-will, lust, ego, and that all that is not of you. Fill the divine part of me, which is you, my almighty healer. Knowing that when I hear and feel and take actions from your words, that you send me in the wind and the water and the fire, I will come from a pure heart and soul, free from self that will always block me. I will follow you, Great Spirit, your direction and your will, and then and only then am I able to help others by being a witness, an example of what following your wishes can bring forth. Great Spirit, remove all things that have controlled me, driven me to a dark place. I humbly ask you to continue to remove my obsession with food for my inappropriate relationships, for spending, for being full of ego. As a result of your power and strength and love for me, I am free from lust that has hindered my growth. The chains are broken. The shackles are removed. And now I can be of help to another person who is suffering. I am recovered because of your love. Great Spirit, I am alive through your love, through the ways of my ancestors that you have taught me and will continue to teach me as long as I am free. I know you continue to weep for my soul and that it continues to awaken with each day. Let me honor you and all that are in this earth. Please, I pray to stay on the narrow red road. I give thanks for all the gifts and the help that I receive in my life each and every day. In the sacred smoke, I humbly accept your gift. And with that, I think I'm done. And thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Julie, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us this morning, your story of transformation. Thank you very much. Julie's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording. Please stay tuned for that. We're going to now transition into question and answer segment. If you have a question for Julie, 
press star one to unmute and identify yourself, please. Miriam in New Jersey. Mary. Your last Miriam. Miriam, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyone else? Suji. Suji. Anyone else? Hi, this is Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay, great. Let's start with Miriam. By the way, how do I, excuse me, how do I unmute? Do I just push star one again? Star one, yes. Thank you. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'll do that now. Thank you. Hi, thank you. This is Miriam, and I am gratefully in recovery from compulsive eating. Um, Thank you so much for your share. That was really, really wonderful to hear. Um, I I loved all. I, I loved what you said over and over about um, about the putting down the food or the absence is just the beginning, um, and then the steps are the rest. Um, and so you talked a lot about doing ten steps and looking at your own part. And I heard you say that you pray for people who have who have harmed you. Do you do? Um, if someone has specifically said something that offends you, do you? Is there any place in your program? for speaking to that person about how you feel. I'm, I'm curious about how you deal with a time when you felt offended or hurt. By someone else. And um, thank you. Okay, thank you for the question. You know, it, it, it all depends. For one, I can't make that decision because I'm going to, my first thought is, oh, I'm going to go to you and tell you off. So I have to sit in prayer. You know, I've learned through people in this program that have what I wanted that are so recovered. They don't make any decisions without going to God. So first of all, I have to go to God and say, how do you want me to handle this? You know, is it affecting my um, my reputation at work? You betcha i got to take care of that because of the job that I do. Um, is it affect? Is it hurting my family? Can it? Is it potentially going to hurt my family? You betcha I've got to deal with that. Is it somebody who is sick and in the disease um, and they that's just they don't know how to act any other way? You know, I, I might not even do anything. It, it, it all depends on the situation, but the bottom line is I go to God. If I am going to go, if the answer from my God is to go talk to them, I'm going to do it with love. I'm going to say, you know what, hey, can we talk? And I've done that. Can we talk a little bit? You know, I'm kind of hearing these things, and I I don't know if they're true or not. You know, maybe we can get to the bottom of this. Let's talk. I I don't come off, you know, like, hey, I heard this, and you are. So it depends. God is going to guide you. So I hope that answered your question. Thank you, Miriam. Sue D. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Sue, and my question got answered. Thank you very much. All right. And Elizabeth, your turn. Star one on mute. Hi, good morning. Here's Elizabeth here. I um I actually only got to the second half of it. I um just went online to get on a program, I mean on a call, so I, I know I've missed a lot of what you said, but I got a lot out of what you said. Um I guess the first question is or first thing I want to say was that your um your prayer was fabulous and beautiful, and I really felt um, that you touched on so many facets of um, recovery and the disease. And I wondered if you would be willing to 
share that and um, share that with me or us um, you know, via email or whatever. Um, I would love to reread it and think about it some more. Um, and I guess <clears throat> my other question was, or just other thing was when you talked about um, when people are focusing on the food, such as me right now, oh, God, help me not eat that cereal or whatever. I've, I've really, I've had a relapse. I've had two years of abstinence and, um, and I've been in a relapse for I don't know, eight months. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in, the, I just started, I mean, I'm in a divorce right now. Um, I'm in a divorce and with a small child. So I know that's no excuse. It's just, I've not been able to handle at all. And, um, so and I and I've been struggling with getting back on on track. Um, so <clears throat> so I guess to the extent that you have some information or thoughts about um, relapse and um, and being able to get back on track, that would be helpful. Thank you. Thank you for the the question. And um, I was in relapse for exactly eight months. Yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, I mean, something good, but I mean, like, yeah. oh, okay, it, it can it be done. Uh. Yeah, it, it was good because it brought me to my knees. Um, yeah. And don't stop going to meetings and kick up your relationship with your creator. Work with the recovered sponsor. Though so those three things mm-hmm. will get you God, a sponsor, and not giving up. Um, Mm-hmm. Because it, this book says nearly all have recovered. I mean, then the people that don't didn't recover when this book was written is it was such a it was like I don't know not even twenty five percent, and so or less than that. It's it's there. You can do it with God. You got to do it with God. So call recovered people. That's what I did. I didn't give up. My, I even when I was eating, I called. And um, get that circle of tight, recovered people. And and write a letter to your God. Do a two-way conversation. Get a piece of paper. You be God. Of an, you know, you ask a question and then have yourself answer it after prayer. You know, do that. Constant contact with God. You will recover. It's not going to be easy, but man, it's awesome. So yeah, and you can call me, and I can share the prayer with you. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your question. Who else has a question for Julie this morning? Star one to unmute. Nancy G. Isabel F. I hear Nancy. I didn't catch your last the initial G. G, Nancy G, Isabel, F, as in Frank. Okay, and who else has a question this morning? Debbie C. Debbie C. And Maria. Maria P, thank you. Maria P, and was there another voice? Sandy B. Sally B. Sandy B. Who's before Sally? I'm sorry. Okay, I said Sandy, S-A-N-D-Y-B. Okay, Sandy. Uh-huh. Excellent. Okay. Thank Robin you T. Much. Robin T. Okay, Robin. 
Okay, thank you. Let's start off with Nancy G, please. Thank you. Hi, Julie. This is Nancy G. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I, too, was in a horrible relapse for about five months. And uh, my question to you is, I, I am now back in program, um, you know, starting from the beginning, starting step one, which I am um, very thankful for. Um, I, I'm, um, I just started my program, and uh, but at the same time, I have to leave the country. I'm leaving on Tuesday, and I'll be gone for five weeks. And I was wondering if you, you know, I, I have spoken with my sponsor, and we have a, a little bit of a plan where I will connect with um, other uh, OAers or AAers in in a couple of different countries that I'm going to be in. Um, anything else you can tell me? I, I really don't want to go back to relapse, and yet I know that I'm a bit vulnerable right now just starting my program again. Um, so I don't know how long you're going to be gone. Five weeks. Five weeks. Um, when I travel, and I, I travel, um, you know, to Europe and Germany and whatnot, I have. Uh, there's a lot of food prep you can do. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, bring some. You know, food that you know that you can eat. Dried foods, whatever. I, I dehydrate my own foods and stuff. Um, but every country has AA meetings. And I would look for where those AA meetings are. And even some, a lot of countries have OA meetings. And go to a meeting. There's online meetings. There's the phone meetings. Uh, you know, it's Skyping so it doesn't cost money. I mean, you can always stay in touch with recovered people. Uh, you know, email, whatever. Uh, my program is um, portable. It, it's, it's in me. I mean, my program is in me. So if I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know what it would be like if I was stuck in the Amazon somewhere and uh, having to eat berries all day, but at least I'd have my God with me. Uh, so your creator is stronger than anything. Your creator is going to give you everything you need. So it's about planning, 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 planning. I mean, you're going to be gone for five weeks. Start doing your action plan right now. You know, have... Um, People, you know, you can send postcards to people. You can write postcards. There's a barrage of things that you can do. And if you want, you can call me. I can kind of give you some other ideas. Because I've traveled where I've had no internet and whatnot. And, you know, there's other things you can do. I write letters to God. I share them with my husband. You know, he's a normie. But we were camping for five days and we had no internet, no anything. So, what I did is I um, had all my food planned out, but if something happened, I told my husband my food changes. I um, I gave my writing assignment to my husband. I mean, you know, he what better person to give it to? So uh, there's a lot of things you can do. You, you know, we can recover any place we go. We I don't know if that answered your question, but... Thank you very much, Nancy G. And now we have Isabel F. Hello. Hello, Julie. Thank you so much for your share. Um, uh, so I heard you say that you were recovered, and then you relapsed and recovered again. So my question is, do you feel different now than when you rec- were recovered the first time? And also the other question is, do you do things differently now that you did before when you recovered the first time? Uh, yes and no. 
so do I feel different? When I first recovered, um, I had a spiritual awakening. It was gradual. It wasn't, uh, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to be thrown out of the bed. and You know, God just healed me. But I was recovered, and um, I lived in the solution. The problem was is my 10, 11, and 12 became, became very unbalanced. I started to do less 10, less 11, and a ton of 12. So obviously that can't sustain itself, and that's why I went into relapse. Um, because I was not um, balanced. So this time around, does it feel different? In a way, it it does, because that eight-month relapse almost killed me. Again. Um, And it was um, very um, scary. I I didn't think I was going to make it. I really thought I was going to die. Um, I was already dying of my spiritual death. But I knew I would once again, you know, be almost 300 pounds. And um, I was starting to purge again because I was bulimic for many, many years. And that scared me. So how I am today is I have such a level of gratefulness to my creator. I. I was hopeless. I was in the gutter. And um, so I think I have a deeper level of, um, I want to say knowledge, because knowledge doesn't give us anything, appreciation for life. And um, my recovery is precious to me. And I know that 10, 11, and 12 are a third, a third, a third. Um, And I do what I need to make sure that that stays that way because I don't think I'll survive another relapse. Um, I really don't. And uh, so, therefore, I I do what I have to do every day. And and I'm very grateful to, to be alive and to be able to um, help others because um, we don't have to to be in the disease. We have this awesome, awesome life. Yeah, I think Bill says, you know, utopia, living in the fourth dimension. I mean, I laugh. I sing in the shower. I can walk without being in pain. Um, I love my husband. That's a big one Um, because, you know, I wanted out of my marriage. And... um, so life is good, but balance, 10, 11, and 12, can't be off balance. So, yeah, it is different this time. It's a, I, I have a different appreciation for uh, life. So, thanks. Thank you, Isabel. Maria P., your turn. Hi, Maria P. I don't know if I am heard. Can you speak up, Maria? I can barely hear you. I'm using a headphone. I don't know if that's working really well. Okay, go ahead. Uh, thank you very much. 
uh, I really, really like what you said, um, everything about the spiritual program and how abstinence is absolutely not, it doesn't mean much. And I, I have been abstinent for two months and really in the past dieting is not, it's not too much of a problem for me and, and I also don't look like I have a problem, but I know I do and I, I do need this spiritual program and I do want what you have. But my question is, I know I also do belong in other, at least two other programs, and I, one of them, I, I live, work, and I go to a meeting every single day, and I, I spend the morning from seven to, to nine in the Vision for You meetings, and I text sometimes people from this program. I know I do belong in this program, but I feel I desperately need the other one more. So I, I don't know how to juggle this. I, I really am at loss at, at how to integrate this program into my life when I am already, I have three positions of service in, other, in another program and, and I am still working the steps and I have a sponsor, So, but I think I need this program too. And, uh, you know, also people around me don't think I do. Uh, any advice for me? Um, well, one thing I want to say, you know, abstinence is very important. Um, you got to be abstinent or you can't do the work. Um, because if, if you're not abstinent, you're blocked. And if you're blocked, your God is kind of like that Charlie Brown movie, right? You can't hear it. So abstinence is a must but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's, 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 it's done. You're abstinent. Now the real work begins. I, um, I don't have, I don't go to any other 12-step meetings. I do go to AA meetings because, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess I could be considered an alcoholic from my um, past lives, but I go to AA meetings because they're strong also. Uh, but I would encourage you to talk to people, and there's a lot of people in the rooms that are dual addicted, right? They go to AA meetings, they go to OA meetings, they go to debtors anonymous meetings, and they make it work. So um, if you can call me later and I'll get the approval from a couple of people to ask if I can share their numbers with you and then talk to them to see how they do it. That, that, that would be the best thing because I, I only attend OA. Thank you, Maria, for your question. Thank you. Debbie C., your turn. Hi, um, Julie. My name is Debbie C. I am a compulsive overeater, and I just appreciate so much your share. It gives me a little flicker of hope today. Um, I've been in relapse for five years, and um, I'm very, very sick in my addiction right now. I'm 54 years old, and... Uh, just binging and purging nonstop, and I just feel like I'm going to die if I continue to live like this, and um, I I don't know. I don't know what's blocking me. I just don't know what's blocking me. I I just can't seem to get well. Um, you know, I believe in God. I'm, I'm angry at Him. I just can't seem to get well, and I don't know what's causing me not to get into recovery. Um, when you talk of abstinence, my question is, what is abstinence? Because I need to get abstinence because I can't continue to binge and purge another day. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for your honesty. Um, 
you know, for me, what what was in the way was me, right? My ideas, my notions, um, you know, maybe I don't need to have a structured program. Maybe I really don't need that. I mean, I was blocking my program, my recovery. So, so what is abstinence? Uh, it's all individual. Um, I ha- I mean, I know obviously it's anything to do with sugar for me, um, and it, uh, white flour and things. There's certain certain white flour products. So, only you can identify your alcoholic foods, right? Those red foods you hear people talk about. You know, identify the red, yellow, and green. And once you do that with um, a nutritionist, that's what I did. I went to a nutritionist because even though I could write a book on nutrition, I'm not going to trust myself. So I went to a nutritionist. I have certain things that I eat. I eat five times a day. It's all weighted and measured. Um, and I I don't have any of my alcoholic foods because every time I ingest an alcoholic food, I am going to awaken that craving. And if I awaken the craving, I'm going to have the obsession. And then, boom, I'm in the food and I can't stop. You know, I'm on that circle, that 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 miracle ride that's going faster and faster and faster until I don't know anything else because I'm so into the obsession and all I'm doing is eating and purging all day. Um, so, what you know, what did I do? I got, uh, I went, for me, I work a very structured program and I, um, got a sponsor again in the structured program. I listen to a vision for you. I go to AA meetings. Um, thank goodness in LA here, there's tons of big book, strong big book meetings. Uh, I indoctr- indoctrinate myself in a program so that I can live. So if you don't have a sponsor, I'd get one, a guide, and have you go through the steps right away. Uh, and not take, you know, a year to do the steps. Uh, you know, I, I I love the way that, you know, Bill took Dr. Bob through the steps. I mean, shoot, the night that he did surgery, he still had a buzz probably going on in the morning. He was making his amends. I mean, we don't sit and 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 for for months and months and months and and wait for the relief. So get a sponsor and do the work, and you'll be free. Thank you, Debbie C. Perhaps Thank you'd you, like to, Debbie. Perhaps you'd like to give your phone number at the conclusion of this recording. Sandy B., your turn. Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, for doing service. Um, uh, thank you for your share, Julie. I really appreciate um, what I interpreted or what I think are how you keep and how you stay in close contact with God. That's what I, I mean, you know, that's the way I, I heard it. And um, I wrote a lot of them down. And as I'm looking at what I wrote, i got quite a paragraph here. Um, my question is, um, excuse me, um, do, when you do your 10th step, and that part where it says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Can you give me some ideas of what you do? I mean, at, at first I thought it had to be something really monumental and, you know, um, somewhat earth-shattering, but I um, really would like to hear how you handle that. And also, um, well, I'll just stick with that. I'd, I'd appreciate hearing that. Thank you. 
Okay. Well, it depends, obviously, where I am when I'm doing my 10-step. If I'm at work and I've done the 10-step the, the process, so what I'll do is I'll go to one of my engineers that I know is struggling with uh, a contract, and I'll offer to help them. I'll say, hey, you got 10 minutes. Let's go through it now. Um, or I'll go to a program manager and say, you know what? I know we've been meaning to get together. Let's go ahead and tackle this now. What can I help you with? So it's it's on the spot things. Or I'll go to my one of my employees and uh, take them aside and and tell them what what a great asset they are to the company. And so I'm giving them something. Um, I, it, it could be calling my husband out of the blue and just telling them that I'm thinking about him and I can't wait to fly home on Friday. So it, it, it could be a kind word. It could be an action. It could be giving somebody, um, you know, in an intense meeting a look and saying, yeah, you're doing a great job. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be huge, but it has great ramifications, right? It, um, it, it could be when you're at the grocery store and, and offering to help, you know, an elderly lady carry her bags to her car. There's an endless amount of things. And it could be picking up the phone and calling somebody that's in relapse for eight months and saying, hey, I'm here for you. So it's, there's hundreds of things that we have in our daily life that we could be of service. And uh, it's just anything to get me out of myself because I like to be there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's anything. Thank you very much, Sandy, for the question. Sally B, your turn. Hi, this is Sally B. And um, I'm just on my ninth step. I haven't done the amends yet. but And I've been feeling really good. And then um, I got into a real rage thing with a family member. She was saying I was a mean person, etc. And I find that I don't have any peace in my head, that I wake up in the night and I'm thinking about it and arguing with her. It's just going round and round in an obsessive way. And I'm still angry. And I wondered what you would do, what I should do. Well, what I do when I have something going on, I do my, uh, you know, resentment sheets, so if you will. And I do that with a recovered person. Ten step, whatever you want to call it. Everybody has different uh-huh. verbiages. Um, and... It's, I do the prayer right away, right, for the person. I um, I ask, I say, God, I realize that, you know, my Aunt Betty is spiritually sick. And though I do not like the way, you know, she acts, her symptoms, they disturb me. Um, Betty, like myself, is sick too. Help me show Betty the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. How can I be helpful to Betty? Save me from being angry. Then it's, Okay, where am I being selfish? What do I want or not want in this resentment, right? I'm looking for me. Well, I don't want Aunt Betty to treat me like this. You know, I'm the the niece. She shouldn't be treating me like this because I know more than her. Dishonesty. What was the lie I was telling myself in this resentment? That, you know, she just wants to use me and she doesn't really like me. Whatever that lie is. Self-seeking. What did I do or get 
what I wanted in this resentment? You know, do I want to feel the victim? What am I, what am I getting from this resentment? Where, where, where am I, what am I seeking? Um, afraid. What was I afraid of losing or not getting? Well, I'm afraid of, get, of not being respected by my other family members in this situation. Uh, blame. Where was I at fault? Well, you know, I did tell my two cousins about it, and then it got back to Betty that, you know, now she's mad at me and she won't let it go. And then once I go through those things, it's like, and then I go to God. And it's like, God, I want to hear the truth about the situation. What is the spiritual truth? What would you have me be? And the spiritual truth is that, you know, maybe uh, she just wants to be loved and she doesn't know how to act and that, you know, you're here to give her a kind word, whatever. I mean, those are for you to answer. But I go, that's how I do my 10 steps. I go through that, whatever kind of resentment I'm having. And um, I usually get to see my part really clear. Because you can't fight alone. you got to have two people. So why am I still fighting? Why do I want to win this argument? Ego, ego, ego for me. So yeah, where are you selfish? Where are you dishonest? Where are you self-seeking, afraid, and to blame in that situation? So um, it's do a 10-step with a really strong recovered person. And you'll see it. Because... Uh, like. Life is too short to live in resentment. Thank you, Sally, for the question. Apologize for interfering there, Julie. Oh, Robin. Robin, your turn. Yes, um, this is Robin. Hi. Hi. Um, Julie, I want to thank you. Um, I... um, have been struggling again and relapse, and I'm listening to the meetings in the morning, and they are wonderful. They are awesome. Um, I really don't have any question because I still know that I am into the food. I, 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 um, I have no question. I, I just want to thank you. I, I can't. There's nothing for me to say. But, again, thanks for sharing. Well, you know, there is something to say. You know, you, you're you ready. Call a recovered person. Get a sponsor. Do the work. Because if you're like me, you're going to die an emotional death, a spiritual death, and eventually a physical death. Thanks. Robin? Hello, this is Harper. Can I thank you? Yes, Harper, you'll have an opportunity. Anyone else like to ask a question this morning? This will be the last invitation before we wrap this morning. Hiya. Santa H. Santa. Hiya. Ginger. Ginger. Anyone else? Star one to unmute to identify yourself. Last invite for questions this morning. Miriam. Miriam. 
that everybody? I'll take that as a yes. Okay, Harper, go ahead, please. Hi, it's Harper E. from Massachusetts. And Julie, I know I've talked to you a few times on the phone and you've helped me so much. And I just heard such incredible inspiration from you in this special edition. And uh, the thing that I'm taking away from it is that uh, you're such an inspiration in, in how you are with your husband now and how you are with your family and how you are with your employees. And that's a miracle that I'm seeing in my life, how I am with my all my uh, close uh, people. And I'm also in an, in an incredible different relationship to myself. And I hear that in your experience also. I know how to take care of myself today. Uh, it's, it's a miracle that I'm um, so neutral with the food and, and putting my uh, meditations and my relaxation in, in my day and with such a priority and doing my uh, nightly review and sponsoring people is just incredible. I'm getting so much out of sponsoring people and I am, I am happy, joyous, and free today uh, even though I am breaking up with a partner and uh, things are coming at me that uh, I think that my higher power sees how strong and resilient I am today and is giving me more to deal with that I never could have dealt with before. So thank you so much, Julie, for your inspiration. Oh, thank you, Harper. Thank you, Harper. Okay, questions, please. Uh, Haya. I believe was next. Star one to unmute. Do you hear me now? Yep, sure do. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, my question is that sometimes I find doing a 10th step is more helpful with someone who's not necessarily recovered because sometimes I find like when I do it with a recovered person, I just feel like I'm being like um like harshly um i don't want to use the word dissected because that's too strong but like sometimes i feel like when i do it with someone who's not so recovered and i have to figure out on my own where my dishonesty is and where my selfishness is and it just feels maybe more gentle and it also feels more accurate because sometimes i can do it with someone and they'll tell me you know this is your selfishness or this is your and i don't always like feel that it's accurate number one number two it sometimes it feels like it's coming very harshly um so i'm just wondering about that like is that wrong that i sometimes prefer to do it with someone who's not necessarily recovered i'm saying with with someone who's abstinent but they're not necessarily like a strong recovered person um thanks for the question so for then i'm talking for me um I want to work with a recovered person because they've had the spiritual awakening. They've had the transformation. Their beliefs are different. Their actions are different. Their um, the food is down. They're living life on life terms. Um, and I want the truth. I I I certainly wouldn't want somebody to have done a ten step with me when I was shoving food in my mouth, or if I was still in an affair, or if I was screaming at my kids, or if A, B, and C. So, if 
I would continue to search for recovered people that might have a softer message, if that's the case. You know, a 10-step should only last about five to seven minutes. You know, that's all they are. I mean, you get right to it. Just like when you do your inventory. I mean, the examples in the big book, you know, Bill uses, what, 15 to 17 words describing, you know, why the resentment, what the resentment was. But I encourage you to seek out other recovered people who might be a little less abrasive. But I, I, me, Julie, wouldn't want to go to a, a not recovered person because then I'm going to be hearing the crap that's in my head. I'm going to have somebody just, um, you know, side with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have a right to be resentful. I don't blame you. So, yeah, I, I, I go to recovered people because uh, I want to live. So, thanks. Thank you, Haya. Santa H., your turn. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. Hi, Lane. It's Santa H., a great for recovery compulsive over Edith from New Jersey. And Julie, I'm sending you a big hug. I'm so grateful that I have <laughs> to meet you. You're beautiful. I, uh, I first want to say uh, thank you for your service, and you played an integral part of my life back in 2014, teaching me how to, to be, have the 10 steps that I have today, and, and I pass it on, truly I pass it on. Um, my question to you, and you kind of answered it already with a few other questions, but I'm going to just add this to it. I remember back in 2014 when I was a scary little one, and I was afraid to pick up that phone and, and make those phone calls and develop a network. And you shared some wonderful things with me that has helped me. And I'm just asking you, you can just talk a little bit about your experience and hope for newcomers because I get any type of phone calls that they are afraid to pick up the phone and call. They don't know how to develop a network. They don't know what to do. And can you share your experience on that with me, with, with all of us? You have with me, but can you share with all of us with that I've had? Oh, thank you, Santa. And I, I can just see you when I gave you a big hug at the convention. It's so nice to to have met you. And, you know, God is good, right? Uh, reaching out, making those phone calls. You know, we're, we're terrified, right? Oh, who am I to call people? I'm going to bug them. Uh, they're not going to want to talk to me. All that stuff that we addicts think, right? But it's not an option. You have to reach out because it's going to save you when you have thoughts of overeating or when life is going on. When my son, um, you know, his first college game, you know, he's been playing football since he was seven. His first college game, he goes down in the third quarter, total tear of the ACL. Well, I wanted to run out on that field and, and my son said, no, mom, you sit down. And he goes, go call one of your groovy people. That's what he said. <laughs> he goes, and that's true. So I had to call someone else because I was in fear in whatever. It's imperative. It's imperative you have a network. And we are all the same. Nobody is better. There, And I loved over the weekend, somebody said, there are no stars, right? There's no VIPs in OA. And there's no VIPs in AA. Yeah, there's speakers that we know more about, but we all get up in the morning. We all put our clothes on the same way. We all function the same. So pick up that phone, 
randomly dial. You know, that's what I did. I had a phone list, a huge phone list. And I just kind of like looked down the line, picked, you know, Joe, picked Sally, you know, picked, you know, Elizabeth, whoever, and picked up the phone and called. They were just afraid as you were when they made their first call. And you're, you're going to need it. You've got to have a network because as you recover, things get more and more intense. You know, when you're thin, is not well, right? I still got a demanding job, a husband, kids, blah, 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 blah. I have illnesses. Uh, my sister is dying and I love her. And I have to go to my people and say, I'm afraid when my sister's gone. I can't live without her. So I cannot do this program alone. So get a phone list, shut your eyes, put your finger down the list, and wherever it stops, you call that person. And then you build that network. You call them every, you know, every 10 days, and then it becomes every four days, and then they're your regular hookup. You might call them once a week or twice a week. So, yeah, don't hesitate. It's important. Thank you, Santa, for the question. Yes, thank you, Santa. Ginger, your turn. Hi, good morning, and Julie, thank you so much for your share, and I just have gotten so much from it, and um, I just have to do a really big shout-out to the vision for you because I'm alive today because of that conference, and um, I'm crying again, but it's good because I'm feeling, and my sponsor says I can feel it and get through it, and that's what I have to do, not eat over it, but I'm nine days, and I'm working this program like my life depends on it for the first time. And I'm amazed because I've been on a two-and-a-half-year relapse. I've been relapsing for 20 years, but this last binge took me out for two-and-a-half years. So that first bite scares the hell out of me. It's not like I binge and come back the next day. Okay. And a few times I wanted to go to the car, and it wasn't to go for a drive. So for me to be living today is just a miracle, and I'm just having so much fear, though, about the first bite again. I'm just, like, so afraid I'm going to take it. And... um. You know, and you've been such a chronic relapser and, and just with the disease and not knowing the recovered state. I believe in it because I saw it so beautifully at the conference. But I'm just having a lot of panic around that. I'm just, I'm praying, I'm doing, I'm calling people, I'm talking, I'm on my fourth step, and I'm working this harder than I've ever because I finally the gift of desperation. I have so much willingness, like in a way, like if my sponsor said jump, I would say how high. I am not fucking around with this anymore because it's my life. But the panic, I just like every morning it's the same. You know, I'm just so afraid of that relapse and taking that bite and going back to the hell. And I don't think I have another abstinence in me. So I just was curious because you seem like you could help on this matter. Thank you. Well, you know, it's a good place to be to be afraid of that first bite because that first bite is going to kill going to kill me. Um, I really don't think I have another recovery left in me. I, uh, and I will do whatever I have to do to stay free. And that is doing the work. You know, recover, recover, recover. You know, it's action, action, action. Um, I just don't sit around and let life happen. I work. I'm constantly 
doing something for my physical, mental, my soul. What does that look like? Uh, and I do fear sheets. Um, when I'm in a fear, I had a lot of fear going on this last um, year. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, what is the fear? You write it down, bullet points. Why do you have it? You know, you list every reason why you have this fear. I'm a chronic relapser. I don't know if I have it in me to stay recovered, blah, 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 blah. And, and then you talk about how, how did self-reliance fail you? You know, what happens when you rely on yourself? Well, one, I get to stay in the, in the fear, right? And how do I keep that ball rolling? I, I'm continually talking about um, how afraid I am. And, um, and I, I don't do the work or I don't uh, take action steps. I don't have an action plan. Uh, you know, and then it's all about me going to my God, right? Asking God to remove that fear, and show me what I really need to be working on. You know, what would God have me be? This is right out of the big book. It's not my words. You know, instead of living in that fear. And it's surrounding yourself with recovered people. That is key. It was for me when I was just getting out of the food. Did I talk to a newcomer? Of course I did. But one of my calls was a newcomer because I was just waking up again. I needed to hear from those people who had 5, 10, 20, 30 years of not only abstinence, but living in the solution. Those people who walked their talk. I had to talk to them because I needed to remember how much work that they do on a daily basis. Prayer, um, action, my food plan food prep, calling others, um, movement on my body, doing the work. So all I can say is continue going to strong meetings. I mean, you know, you're on the the vision for you is very strong. I go to another strong meeting um, for my, my structured program I work on. And I talk to recovered people daily. Because I cannot live in my head. Julie's head is not a safe place, let me tell you. So I have to be, I have to hear. I have to shut my mouth and listen. So, um, you know, you're in the right spot. You need to have that fear. Uh, that first bite's going to kick your butt and you might not come back. You know, that's the reality. So do the work. Call, call, call. Pray, pray, pray. So, um, and you can call me. I'll get my number later. So thanks. Thank you very much, Ginger, for the question. And our final question for this morning comes from Miriam. Miriam, your turn. Hi, thanks. This is Miriam, gratefully recovering a day at a time in this program. Um, Would you talk a little bit about how you describe to your sponsees how you talk about the interaction between the obsession of the mind and the craving of the body? So what I do is I go right to the book, right? Um, it's not my words. Again, I you don't want my words. So I, I go right to the book. I, I go through the chapters with them that talks about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. <clears throat> and I'll use my own 
experiences. How after, you know, six months, a year, three and a half years of abstinence that I picked up something because I thought I had enough time behind it and then I was off and running. You know, I talk about uh, how as soon as I ingest that food, the mind starts going and then the physical cravings will begin and then I am on that roller coaster that cannot be stopped until I no longer realize that I'm in the obsession because that's all I know. I don't know anything else, so I don't know what I know, right? All I know is I've got to eat, I've got to eat, I've got to eat, and I wake up with the wrappers, the boxes, the whatever, and I pray, please help me don't eat again, and I eat by 10 a.m. because I can't stop. Julie can't stop. What's my problem? Lack of power. What's my solution? God, creator. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I hope I don't offend anybody. But my creator is all-powerful. And that is the only thing that's going to stop this train wreck. So I go right to the book. I read paragraph by paragraph with my um, sponsees. They have questions. They have assignments every day that are, you know, doctor's opinion, bill stories, we agnostics. Every day they write, every day they call me. That's just how I work my program. And um, they're in the book. I give them a list of people to call that are recovered so that they can talk to them. They have to know what that deadly disease is. And they give their experiences. I ask them, tell me when you've been in the craving, in the obsession. What is it like? So, you know, identification is so key. I mean, that's... That's how Bill went to Dr. Bob. He listened to Dr. Silkworth, right, and said, quit preaching. That's what Dr. Silkworth said. You've got the experience. Go to that newcomer. Talk to them on a one-on-one level. So he did that with Dr. Bob. First time Dr. Bob ever talked to somebody who did the things he did with alcohol and was sitting in front of him clear-eyed and fresh. So it's experience. What is your experience? And you tie it into the book. And that's all you need. The book and your own experience. Everything is there. That's that's what I do. Um, It's not anything that I've written. (laughs) Let me tell you. So it's all there. You know, it's first 164. And the stories. Oh, my God, the stories are great. Stories have a wealth of information. So I hope that answered your question. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Thank you, Miriam, and thanks to everyone who asked a question this morning. And, of course, thank you, Julie, for spending time with us this morning sharing your story of transformation, quite a story of inspiration and hope and possibility. Thank you very much. And I'll close the way we always close our meetings here on A Vision for You, and that's from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.